let me start with giving uh, a brief overview of what talk in the town is mm -hmm. and the reason that we started talk in the town uh, talk in the town is a platform uh, that we are creating at nagrik to provide uh, voice to city based leaders visionaries actors community leaders experts from academia from policy from government and general citizens uh, from small and mid sized cities as well as people who have been working in such places uh, mm -hmm. to uh, understand from them that how policy and people can be converged there has been for a very long time a kind of a distance between policy making and the way people perceived it and making people friendly policies and uh, through the, these conversations we're just trying to humanize uh, policy and try to bring examples from different and diverse backgrounds and contexts uh, where people have actually taken initiatives created pathways created channels for people to get connected with policies and mm -hmm. uh, in that same vein we've uh, we've talked to community leaders we've talked to bureaucrats and uh, uh, we've talked to people who are working in uh, ngos which are focused in smaller areas as well um, to understand from them that how do they connect with citizens and how do they create this bridge uh, between people who make policies and people who are impacted by them and if there are ways in which uh, a reverse feedback is possible where uh, people who are benefiting or getting influenced by the policy can also inform the policy uh, makers and uh, when we talk to you and you talked about some of the examples of work that you've been doing that urban labs have been doing uh, it struck us as a very good opportunity that uh, that uh, from a very specific realm of urban mobility and transport uh, we could get your experience uh, as well uh, so i'll very briefly introduce you so that i'll let you do the introduction and talk about yourself but uh, just for the audience i just want to say that dr abhijit lokre is the founder and the partner at the urban lab ahmedabad and he leads the planning and design team working in the areas of urban transport and policy street design uh, transit infrastructure and nmt planning uh, non motorized transport planning he previously was also a professor associate professor at the faculty of planning at sept ahmedabad and he still continues to teach as a visiting faculty there uh, with that uh, i would like to uh, open the conversation uh, with you uh, abhijit and my first question would be after that i have briefly introduced you if you could talk a little bit about yourself and about your journey so far yeah, yeah. thanks thanks tarun for uh, inviting me and uh, having me here uh, you know in, in a way we uh, we met um, accidentally i mean it was just uh, somebody in my office going uh, trying to find out other people who are also working in this area especially small cities and that's the way we reached out to you so that's good uh just like that accident or you know coincidence or destiny whatever uh i am also an accidental transport planner so my basic degree is not transport planning uh i am an environment planner who happened to get a chance to work in transport uh, about 15 years back i earlier used to uh, my earlier work in buj for about 5 years was more in disaster management uh, where i worked in buj after the earthquake of 2001 uh, but for the last 15 16 years now i have worked mostly in the field of traffic transport planning design and uh, i was leading the team that designed bus rapid transit projects in uh, many indian cities ahmedabad surat uh, hubli dharwad in karnataka uh also some work in indore and uh, amritsar in punjab so worked on a lot of you know, bus rapid transit projects that's where i really learned uh, about traffic transport and that was through my association with sept and about 6 years back i chose to start my own consulting uh, called it the urban lab because uh, we wanted this place to be a place where we could experiment so we it was very intentional to be a lab and not be conventional uh 
so that was the idea and also a place where we could have young people coming in and experiment that is how the original idea started for the last six years we have built up a team of 15 people and we're doing uh, very diverse kind of projects across um, india we're doing a lot of sustainable transport projects in kochi uh, uh, especially in the uh, fort kochi matancheri area uh, we're doing uh, urban design guidelines for the heritage area uh, working with the municipal corporation for uh, non-motorized transport uh, e-autos and so on also working on the policy side of things through our work in Surat on the parking policy, uh, doing work with local governments on street design, also some work in Chennai. So kind of mixed bag uh, so far. And uh, yeah, so doing a lot of conventional traditional transport projects, but then also doing work like Bhuj, uh, which we talked about last time, where we are working with uh, NGOs based out of Butch, uh, who are very keen on understanding the mobility issues there and understanding them from a different perspective, the standard conventional way of looking at transport, but uh, bottoms up. I mean, talking to people and based on that, getting a sense of what Butch is dealing with. And somehow over the last three, four years, I have increasingly been feeling that we need to change the way we do projects. Uh, we really need to talk to people and uh, work with them and then generate what needs to be done or then understand what needs to be done. And there have been learnings also from the from my past experiences at SEPT. I mean, the work was satisfying. We did a lot of good work. But now in when I look back at it, I think we could have done something differently. Well, we'll talk about that as we, as we go along. Okay. Uh, thanks so much. Oh. I think that's very uh, comprehensive overview of uh, uh, the kind of work that you have done in the last uh, uh, decade and a half, I believe. Yeah. And uh, as it seems that a lot of this work has been taking you to people, to citizens. And as you said, that uh, there has been a reflection on how uh, the way conventionally transport planning was done uh, needs to be changed. And I believe that it has been changing. And uh, I think uh, 10 years ago, or actually it's now almost 15, 16 years ago when the idea of public participation in JNNURM came in, uh, hmm. a lot of uh, development authorities or municipal corporations were not really sure that how does that uh, happen. Um, it works. Yes, and uh, now with uh, things like Streets for People Challenge and a lot of these challenges that are being completely driven by inputs. Uh, so what uh, would be really useful to understand in a more, I think, so that general citizens can also understand is that what is this change uh, in transport-based projects uh, that has mm -hmm. occurred in the last uh, you know, few years where people can actually see that what they say is being uh, is being reflected in the policy. Uh, are there you know, are there examples or are there mm -hmm. pathways that you have seen that have emerged over time uh, yeah. from conventional stakeholder workshop where you only get the stakeholder uh, responses, but then eventually when the program was, des was designed, people either didn't ask or didn't care to uh, know that what has happened from our inputs to mm -hmm. The scenario is now where the participation is a lot more deliberate and there is also you know, a lot of times it is requirement of uh, the funding agencies as well where the participation is real and not completely notional so can you give some yeah. examples uh, of such uh, uh, where where this input is actually reflected in projects yeah see my experience so far most of it has been the other way around where uh, there is a mandate from the top and then you have a decision maker, you know, who is very decisive and then implements the wish of uh, whatever comes from the top. But there have been a few um, uh, situations, projects where I've been involved in where there was, it was not tokenism, but there was uh, participation. 
One is uh, Bhuj, where I am currently involved in. And because my association with Bhuj goes back to 2001, and in 2001, actually, there was a lot of stakeholder consultation because people were really affected and, you know, they were looking for answers to what happens to their land, to their house and so on. And whatever we had to do. So one thing, if I can kind of piece, you know, connect the dots is whenever there is adversity or a disaster, that is a time when people will have something to say about what happens to them in the future. Bhuj, I think, showed that very clearly. But then we don't want disasters to always make people uh, give, you know, give their opinion. Right now in Bhuj, and, and because since 2001, Bhuj has this uh, uh, very strong presence of uh, NGOs. Uh, they have come together under an umbrella called the Kach Navnirman Abhyan. And uh, they have multiple NGOs working in that. So there are NGOs who work on livelihoods, NGOs who work on uh, housing, NGOs who work on natural resources, on um, on the cultural um, scenario in, in Kutch. So they've all come together and anything that needs to happen at the regional or even the urban city level, the, the Kutch Nirman Abhyan actually comes together. Because they have been so active, the district administration and the Nagar Palika listen to them. Uh, also, and this is not uh, kind of desirable, but because the district administration and uh, the Nagarpalika there do not have the resources to actually do some of this work. They actually look out for uh, NGOs to support them. So there is that atmosphere or environment in Bhuj where there is some trust between the decision maker and the civic society. And that translates into more dialogue. And uh, it also means that people are a little more aware. They know that if they have a problem, they can go to this NGO or this person who will represent their uh, views to uh, the decision maker. Right. So, so it is happening in Bhuj. I can see that. Uh, but I can also see it is happening in Bhuj because the government itself does not know the answers. So they're looking for the NGOs to give them the answers. But what is happening in Pune is really interesting because Pune is in that sense, a big city, a lot of funds, a lot of competence to do things. So there are all kinds of consultants moving around in Pune, uh, telling the government what needs to be done. Yet Pune has this very strong, again, group of NGOs in, in the mobility sector, in all other sectors, but mobility sector, because I'm working with them, and on the other side, you have the municipal corporation. And then it happens sometimes that you get a very good administrator who is willing to engage with NGOs. And that is what happened in Pune, where the current uh, mission director of Smart Cities, Kunal Kumar, he was the municipal commissioner there for about four years. And he, he engaged with the NGOs. And the NGOs were very demanding. I mean, I have been part of some meetings in Pune and they were very demanding. I mean, in my experience, uh, some of the things were very direct and very blunt when they expressed to the commissioner. And I got curious, I mean, how can you be so blunt with the decision maker? And uh, you had NGOs like uh, Parisar, uh, headed by Sujit Patwardhan. And then you had the uh, Nagarik Chetna Manch, headed by a retired uh, army uh, officer. They were very straight and direct. You also had ITDP who was very active in, in Pune. And when I asked them, they said that the environment with this, our engagement with this commissioner is that he knows we don't have any vested interest or we don't have an agenda here. So sometimes they were adversaries, sometimes they were partners and it all, it was happening at the same time. And the commissioner was also very uh, sharp enough to use the people's voices to get his department and his engineers to do things the way he wanted to. Because there is a lot of inherent resistance within the government machinery for certain kinds of things in traffic, in traffic and transport. And he very cleverly used the people's opinion and the NGOs to get good work done within his. Uh, 
because of that and because of a lot of training that happened for his own staff his engineering staff his engineering staff now actually wants to engage with people and they actually talk about things that is very difficult for me in amdabad to comprehend because when i go and talk to engineers in amdabad they don't get it at all why should there be a footpath that's the standard question nobody walks why do you want a cycle track nobody cycles but in pune they will say why are you giving such a small footpath let's make it wide now that has happened over a period of time because of this engagement of the civic society with the uh, administration at all levels as a result of this pune has actually now have, they have a pedestrian policy which was prepared by the ngos and ratified by the municipal commissioner they have a bicycle master plan again done by the ngos so now you have the ngos and and the people actually doing projects and given by the standing committee and the municipal commission so pune is a very very good example of uh, what good sustained interaction and dialogue between people and government can do but i still see certain risks here it is still dependent on that one good municipal commissioner there who understands the value of engaging with people now when that person moves you you not back to square one but there is a setback but you need the next one to be as good or as uh, understanding of what's happening so it so, so yeah these are my experiences so my uh, yeah. you you talked about uh, uh, the kachnav nirman sena and you also talked about a lot of uh, uh, ngos in in pune so my question yeah. uh, you talked about a risk from the from the policy maker side from the government side uh, of the mm-hmm. initiative moving away uh, i wanted to ask that the organizations which are acting as a bridge Uh, representing larger people's voices what are their mechanisms through which they are able to represent a larger voice like how do they uh, connect with uh, with people and then able to uh, kind of transform that into a language which is understandable to policy makers so if, for example if you go to a general population uh, if you go to citizens their mm-hmm. grievances or their aspiration or expectations are not going to be in the format of something that can be written in a bicycle master plan or yeah. which can be uh, you know which which transforms into engineering design so they are more day to day they are more uh, you know mundane and then they kind of filter through organizations which are community based organizations uh, okay. and then they get translated Uh, or interpreted at the policy makers level so mm-hmm. in a city like pune you use the word competent uh, so there are people who understand both side of languages who understand people as yeah. well as understand uh, technical technical uh, technical yeah. ways of doing it uh, but in smaller and middle sized cities that that kind of gap may exist where the problems are still the same in a smaller and mid sized cities as a larger mm-hmm. city as well but the solutions mm-hmm. to be able to inform that from uh, citizens might be difficult right so uh, there might be organization like parisar or ittp who are working in uh, in cities like pune ahmedabad but if there are not many organizations like this in uh, a middle sized city small and mid sized city how does say a kashnav uh, just lost i just lost the last uh, bit can you just say that last sentence so i'm just saying that in a in a larger setup there might be organization which can talk the language on both sides but yeah. in a smaller uh, place are there hmm. ways in which and from your experience of kashnav uh, mm-hmm. kashnav nirman the organizations that this uh-huh. is still possible that the general and the mundane can still be uh, you know provided in a language which can be converted into uh... yeah see bhuj is i think an outlier in that sense where you have a body of uh, ngos who 
can express or who do express the people's views and opinions and their uh, needs uh, in a way to the uh, decision maker. But my experience of in, in so far has been that we lack this in smaller cities to a large extent. This articulation of views to decision makers. And uh, that I think is a big gap we have now. And one of the things that, as I told you last time, is we are getting interested in is how do we bridge this uh, this gap? So any uh, any reflections from the kind of organizations that you have worked in Ahmedabad or Pune? That who are the people mm-hmm. uh, in these cities who kind of helm these organizations? Uh, and how do they kind of, you know, spread out and are able to bring diverse mm-hmm. voices together? How do they become citizens' voice? There would be a theme-based organization Mm -hmm. which is specific to only, say, pedestrians, or there is a theme-based organization specific to waste management. Mm -hmm. But then they Mm -hmm. still have a kind of a constituency, and then they are come together and then are able to talk. Uh, So, but what are those features or factors uh, that allow them? Like in Dehradun, for example, we were talking about it, and uh, the person said that you know. The Dehradun has a very latent academic uh, side to it. There are a lot of people mm. who are very knowledgeable, who are aware of issues and who know how uh, you know things should be and how something is not right. And if you just get one person to kind of marshal and mobilize, there is enough latent force to kind of, even if they just show up as walkers, you still have people on the ground yeah. who can say that there is a force to reckon with. So in, in larger cities, what are some such factors? Like what gets people? Tarun, I think, so in a way, I think you gave some part of the answer when you talked about Dehradun. Hmm. My sense is that a city like Pune, again, which has this very strong educational context and background where people are very knowledgeable. People think that they're very knowledgeable. They have an opinion and they want their opinion to be heard. It's a very cultural thing in Pune. If I compare Pune to Ahmedabad, so I have studied in Pune and I have I have connections in Pune. So I know a little bit and I have stayed in Ahmedabad for 20 years now. So I know some of Ahmedabad. Ahmedabad is not like that. Ahmedabad is in that sense a very commercial, business-minded oriented uh, people here. We, there are good NGOs, but it's nowhere, they are working at nowhere the level that Pune is working for. Or even Bangalore. Bangalore is, has some very good uh, NGOs who are making their voice heard, who have come together and who are organizing uh, for some causes. So I think one is the culture, one is the context uh, in those cities. I think that makes a huge, huge difference. Um, again, traditionally, Gujarat has had a very strong bureaucracy. And the top-down approach is very, very strong here, which, so, I mean, if you look at the act, the Gujarat Town Planning and Urban Development Act, it has all the right words. It talks of consultation when you prepare the development plan. It talks of consultation when you do TP schemes. But these are not really serious consultations. It is a tick mark to be done because the act is so. Decision-making is still top-driven. I know many of my friends in Gujarat will not agree with this, but uh, I I think uh, Gujarat, Ahmedabad has a long way to go uh, in this. The reason I think is the context, the culture that is there in that city. That there are certain cultural uh, factors, contextual factors, uh, which which kind of Mm. lead to uh, citizen voices being more uh, active in certain places, and, and that, that and that is um, that is missing in a lot of uh, small and mid-sized city context. Yeah. So, since we have an example that you talked about, uh, so we thought that maybe we circle back to Bhuj, and yeah. you referred to it as a, 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 a civil society, uh, like the vision is being kind of designed by the civil society. So yeah. maybe you, if we can t- 
talk a little bit about how uh, the work in uh, Bhuj is kind of being informed mm-hmm. by uh, voices of people and what are some of those you know aspirations and how some of that aspiration is being uh, kind of at least being channeled into decisions which will eventually you know yeah. physically show up as a mobility solution correct let me give you some examples from our work in puch so when we were asked by um, homes in the city that's the ngo who uh, asked us to uh, help them out on this uh they were very clear that they wanted the focus to be on vulnerable groups uh, people who may or who don't have options and they are dependent on the government giving them options to for mobility and accessibility now the traditional way in which transport planning is done is that you go and you as it look at the road network you analyze uh, you do the traffic counts you do speed delay surveys and using all types of quantitative data you come and say okay this is the problem at this junction this is the problem on this stretch yahan pe parking kam hai wahan pe parking zyada hona chahiye ya you know it's a very con- you know, number game in that sense but it does not really tell you what the people are dealing with i have a theory that people who have their own vehicles people like me probably are not even expecting the government to do we have made our choices we have figured out where we want to stay we have figured out we need this kind of vehicle we are not dependent on the government and at, because of that we do not appreciate what people who don't have a choice go through in bhuj it was an eye opener for us the first meeting that was organized was with uh, school going girls and remember this was during covid time so it was anyway um, uh, online teaching but what the girls told us was very interesting bhuj had a bus service just before covid started and uh, apparently it was a very popular service and uh, it was used by a lot of people who didn't have a choice who didn't have a vehicle the fares were reasonable the buses were clean and school girls they told me that they found it to be safe because uh, the other option was what is known as the chakras or the shared auto rickshaws in which they would put up 10 to 12 people and it was overcrowded there were all kinds of people could mix in that the girls told me that because uh, okay and be, uh, before covid the bus system stopped uh, because of financial uh, viability issues for the operator now these girls didn't have a choice they could either walk or they could cycle or they could take a shared auto rickshaw some of them told me that they have stopped going to school now this cannot be captured through any surveys on ground by counting the traffic on on the at the junction right this was shocking and i i was like they said that uh, my mother says that we can i cannot send you on a cycle because it's not safe and walking is really far it's really far so we stopped going to school that was the first group the second group were a group of working women and the same story they were dependent on the bus service when it stopped that lady who was actually a street vendor she used to sell some eatables at a point in at some point in bhuj had to walk 7 to 8 kilometers one way and 7 to 8 kilometers back just to keep the business running earlier there was a bus so now she says i walk an hour and a half to go there an hour and a half back and the walking environment is anyway bad there were many such um, you know responses from people and then when and then we when we had this visioning exercise where we invited a lot of people and when i made this point when i was hmm. discussing our findings the vice president of the nagarpalika was adamant that this could not be mere sheher mein koi ladki ट्रांसपोर्ट नहीं होने की वजह से स्कूल नहीं जा सकती ये हो ही नहीं सकता है वो लड़की को लेके आओ यहाँ पे 
she refused to believe so we said sure we i mean these are authorities are the findings that we had so but i mean see people we, i really got it that day that people i know that that she is a career politician she she is been in politics for a long long time she knows about going and talking to people but she says that this cannot be that that girl cannot have left school that was an eye opener for me i will give you another example not from bhuch but uh, again from another project that we had worked on so there is this ngo in ahmedabad called inhaf the india habitat forum uh, headed by kirti shah maybe you have heard of uh, heard of it so kirti shah had approached me about 4 years back when i had just started the urban lab and he knew that i had worked on the ahmedabad brt so he asked me can can we work together and i want to represent the people's voice on ahmedabad brt he said ahmedabad and pune dono brt ka humko we want to get the people's voices on this what are the issues and he asked me a set of questions and he said that i don't believe in the brt he asked me a set of questions and you know why are we uh, taking away space from other people and this is not working and and i was very smug in my knowledge that brt is good i know the technicalities of the brt and i explained him all the logic behind it and then he pointed out that in spite of that why is there no acceptance of the brt in ahmedabad why is there so much resistance to brt in ahmedabad probably when you worked on this you didn't listen to people you never went to the people and i said yeah we really didn't go it was a project pushed through by the government with a very able administrator who had a job to do get it done in so much time without cost overruns and we supported him in that so anyway i started working with inaf on this and we did again a lot of surveys of people who are actually traveling by bus in both pune and ahmedabad and in ahmedabad the results were again surprising again an eye opener for me what they were dealing with and what i was said that i could provide i am an expert on brt were completely different they were dealing with issues like the the drivers are rude sometimes the buses are overcrowded a lady said that uh, uh, the doors have automatic opening and closing and she got stuck and her hand got fractured and she had a big story about it and people had all kinds of views about what could be done to make it better and finally came out with a report and in that one of the things that people were talking about is affordability they were not really interested in the design what is the width of the curbstone and what is the bus uh, height and what how are the seats which we had designed a long back but they had other issues they they had issues like um, you know we do trip chaining i especially women we go out do one thing and then and we have to do multiple tasks we have to purchase vegetables then we have to drop the kid at the school then we go to our workplace and then on the way back we do something else so how does brt address trip chaining i had no idea because that was not what i was taught to do to start to go and do household surveys and uh, household surveys where there were data sets and then you have to analyze the data and say okay this is the trip pattern this is how people are moving in the city and assign trips and assign routes so again big eye opener for me that you know talking to people is is really really critical why that one question that kirti ji asked me is why is brt not accepted and i could get that it is not accepted because we never went to people we never asked them what are their needs we said we are building a beautiful brt take it you better take it and you better like it right i'm still proud of the system but in hindsight i think we could have done things little differently engaged with the civic society little more so uh, if it was done and for example if uh, and we don't need to specifically talk about the brt project and and we know what happened in delhi and yeah. uh, uh, but it's still Uh, the the system in indore uh, is still yep. among the ones which is uh, running better but in bhopal there are very similar issues as well yeah 
Ranjal would know about that, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, when one looks at a very rigid kind of supply side solution, where once you have put, you have to either you take the Delhi route and like completely dismantle. But if you have put it there, and a metro is even a bigger, uh, you know, oh, license, that is, that is and and it would be uh, like it would be not easy if somebody was to do something similar that you did with what Mr. Shah asked you to do in say yeah. uh, a tier two, tier three city. Once they put the metro in mm. there, and that why it is not accepted. Uh, so if this was done before, if something like this, mm -hmm. where people's uh, you know opinions were taken before, what kind of changes can be made? Like, like is there a way in which we can you know tell general citizens, like people, that you know mm -hmm. in your city people are talking about say installing a BRT or they are talking about light rail or they're talking about a metro. Uh, but mm -hmm. if somebody came asking and you were to tell things, are there ways in which uh, decisions could be different? Like, hmm. like where, is that, where is that window? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, is yeah, that I window of, uh, you know, that the people's input actually changing uh, the course of uh, maybe you think of a smaller example uh, like like uh, you talked about the safe route to school program mm. and, uh, I think we... yeah yeah that was that is another thing that uh, Bhuj is uh, up to right now yeah it is yeah, see, thing, right? yeah. I don't know I'll, I'll connect it with something very different you know, in, in my world of traffic and transport and uh, what is good in traffic and transport, Amsterdam is frequently quoted as an example, of good example. They did all the right things 50 years back. People know that Amsterdam was as bad as our cities are now in traffic and transport. They, they also struggled. They also had plans to build freeways through Amsterdam. And it required a movement uh, where people said that these many deaths are not acceptable and uh, a lot of the deaths were actually school children if i would to just kind of think aloud now i mean i've not given a lot of thought to this but if i think aloud on this what is that one thing that emotionally connects people to their city and if you use that as in a positive way to you channel that emotion in a positive way and show to both sides the the people and the decision makers about how this safe routes to school it is something that not the decision maker also cannot say i don't want to do it oh he he will listen to this he will listen but if i tell him that let's build wide footpaths and uh, let's build cycle tracks and he will say and footpath to vending as soon as i say that listen uh, uh, mr commissioner that there are five deaths that happened in this area and there are two schools here and so many school children were injured or these many accidents happened and let's do a safe routes to school program and we will help you and you know get people to tell us what they experience here why is there a safety issue here there are greater chances of a dialogue happening there because you are using an emotion in a positive way. Maybe that could be one thing. My experience has been that I come from, I know everything. And frequently that is a pitfall because then I am not open to a conversation. I only want to prove myself right and prove yourself and prove the other person wrong. And I did that for a long time. <laughs> You know, and I used to give very logical explanations to people and people, if they were my peers would say, I don't agree. If they were below me would say, okay, if you say so, I will agree. But really there was no conviction there. Right? But when I have now started framing the same argument differently by saying that, you know, by having this in the center 
how you are getting benefited or what is there in it for you that people i feel are willing to listen or at least engage with you so probably that i think i think listening for what people want and then articulating that discussion in a way that they think is a win for them i think that is a skill that maybe where i am as a consultant or as somebody who is passionate about urban transport when we projects and then we negotiate Uh, but is the safe route to school program uh, is, are they working on it are you it's very preliminary right now tarun what they are now looking at is forming a committee in bhuj so when i was last there in um, december uh, they all agreed um, along with the nagarpalika that we will form a committee they have identified uh, the committee has the nagarpalika the area development authority the ngos the traffic police the vendor committee and so on and they are saying that let's identify so they have identified a school called matruchaya school and they have said uh, around 500 meters around that they are willing to do hmm. an experiment on safe routes okay so so this is Which the this is the reason that i was talking about this program that this is <laughs> this is small enough but effective enough transport or mobility yeah. related policy so where yeah. you actually see from the beginning that how citizen inputs are being taken from stage 1 and then yeah. it might look like that the route around the schools would be developed as a safe route to school versus where you do a, a top down approach where a brt is installed and yeah. it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint that where the inputs of citizens could have been taken mm-hmm. after it has been done post facto an anal- analysis can be done but then it's very difficult to make changes uh, in yeah. you know hard cement infrastructure but if it is a safe route to school program or if there are multiple smaller transport and mobility related projects which yeah i lost you once again uh, last point so i'm just saying that this example can actually you know then we can maybe if we can uh, kind of break it down from yeah. stage 1 to a stage which has not been reached but it can demonstrate yeah. how um, you know exactly. school teachers children parent teacher meeting people who are you know as in people who are actually directly involved or invested in the outcomes of the project can form policy so that's why i was that's that's the idea it's 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 known as tactical urbanism that's the uh, word that is being used a lot now but basically it is a demonstration on a one on one scale but temporary in nature and you keep it you engage with people who are using it you take their views on how it could be better how is this temporary situation helping them or not helping them you get the school children to come and walk and do a lot of documentation of this process and so that you know you can then use these uh, this evidence to say that this is working or you use that documentation to say that this is not working you you may have a corporator who says that listen this has to be done like this because i am a corporator from this area okay let's do it let's keep it for two days and let's test it out and let's you come i'll come and let's look at what is happening let's talk to people maybe that will make a difference so i think increasingly instead of this heavy handed approach it may it makes sense to do this small intervention and test it out and small cities actually are good for this kind of thing you could you could do it at very minimal cost small cities typically face this cost issue uh, they don't have mm. the budget to do large projects uh but you could do this at a very small scale you could even get uh, say amul to sponsor it yes or some you know local uh, business to you know like kumar sweets in dehradun to you know sponsor the chakrata uh, road that chauk development it it gives them also a certain satisfaction ki kuch hua No, it it has that representation and i think exactly exactly it gets it, then it gets reflected in in the media to people and, and it's actual demo it's one on it's at one to one scale it's not a more beautiful model that you show to them they're st- they are the part of that model they are there right so that is what we are hoping to do in uh, in bhuj and uh, there is a very 
I mean, I, uh, his name is Sandeep Birmani, who has done a lot of good work in Butch, and he's really pushing uh, that you, that this committee gets formed. Uh, one is the Safe Routes to School program, and then there is another street uh, in in Butch, which is kind of a main street for them in front of the bus station. And, they have the vegetable market in the morning from five to seven. So that that entire space in front gets used by different stakeholders in different ways at different times of the day. So what we are now trying to figure out is, can we actually do a demo that is about a 500 meter stretch, do a demo on this 500 meter stretch also. Reroute traffic, reroute the, the state transport buses also. Because right now they are using that street to come there and we are saying, okay, okay, let's take a slightly longer route. Maybe you it will add a kilometer or so for your buses. But these are regional buses. These are anyway coming from 50 kilometers away. In, in, in terms of time, it may mean 10 minutes more to reach the station. But approach it from the back so that the front portion is free. Because that is the most thriving bustling commercial part of which. That is the second one which we're trying. And the third one is something that they have been trying for a long, long time. So for a, like a lot of old cities, Bhuj has this shopping street in the heart of the city. A very narrow 200 meter stretch. Very narrow, eight to nine meters probably. No traffic actually can go there also, but still you have these scooters and two wheelers trying to go through. You have these nice awnings, which have a lot of nice shade. And then you get all the typical kachi, um, you know, dresses and the jewelry and so on. So we are trying to push for pedestrianizing that. So that is the third thing that is on the agenda is that we will, we want to work with the shopkeepers because most of the vehicles that are parked there are of the shopkeepers. People who come to purchase actually walk. It's very walkable. And to work with them to sort out their parking issue. And if we can sort out their parking issue, then are they willing to let this be pedestrian in nature? So the Sandeep is trying to, you know, get a lot of consensus. He wants us to come as the experts to advise on what can be done. And he wants to make this a people-driven move. So he wants to do these three things, that safe routes, the road in front of the bus station and this market street. So in, in any of these three, the citizen consultations have already been happening. Uh, already been happening. They have already started talking. They have, it, it is already there. People know that these things are, uh, people are very interested in, in these things. Some of these have come from the shopkeepers themselves. Okay. Okay. So they are, they have asked us, can we do something like this? Can we reroute GSRTC buses so that they want the GSRTC to be there? So you cannot remove the buses from there because that would re remove the reason for that street being so so busy. But what can we do to reroute the buses? So people have started giving their voice. So in that last meeting that I had in December, people came up with these kind of, uh, the safe routes to school came from people, uh, basically from teachers. Hmm. Can we do something to secure and safe, uh, make the streets safe? So we said, let's give it a name. Let's call it safe routes. And actually, safe routes to school is something that is being used a lot in Europe. So we said, okay, let's call it the same thing. And uh, let's develop it as safe routes in Bhuj. So, right now, what we are trying to do is finding out whether there are any funds available. For doing the in future interventions. Yeah, 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 yeah. One last thing. We had talked about this bus, uh, public bus that was there which stopped. Yes. In all our consultations... This came across very strongly. They wanted the bus to revive. They wanted the bus back. The issue was that the operator, we went, we went and met the operator and talked to him and he's very enthusiastic. He wants to do it. He's a native of Butch. But he says that it is financially unviable for me. If you can help me to find out some government support, some viability gap funding, where I can at least break even, I'm willing to take this up again. So there is willingness there. So now again, you know, trying to push the Nagar Palika that listen, you have a case. People are saying they want the bus to start again. Please go to Gandhi Nagar. Talk to the urban development department. They have a uh, Mukhya Mantri uh, Shehri bus Yojana. 
and there is money available under that but you have to make the pitch the nagar palika you have to make the pitch so now we are trying to push them go to gandhi nagar we are saying we will come with you to gandhi nagar we will meet the uh, people at utd together but you have to own it up so so now that takes some time they they, they need to you know inertia bahut hota hai so you know you need to keep on pushing them so, so you, you just gave an example of a scenario where you kind of been that bridge you know that okay people have a very simple demand we want the bus you know once yeah. it get once once the same question gets translated at the uh, level of say the udd or the transport department it is not just that people want the bus then you have to think of the feasibility the viability the routes and the cost and everything but yeah for people it's just as simple as that we want the bus so yeah, yeah give us a bus please <laughs> so so the so where you have asked them that okay the answer is there with the mukhyamantri bus yojana uh, hmm. they would have probably not known if you were not there or if such a platform was not there so they don't they, know it is one thing the other thing is also that yojana itself could be tweaked a little bit to make it friendlier for example the yojana gives them capital hmm. grants what the operator is after really is operational subsidy because he is it is difficult for him to break even on operations okay so but even okay, so thing to happen somebody needs to tell even yeah. people somebody who... needs to write a proposal in a format that the department department understands, understands. they because they will they will have to do some vetting how many buses how many routes what is the demand you know will our grant be used because that is the way government operates it has to be on paper nagar palika probably does not have the expertise to do it so they will require somebody to do it for them so so the my question was basically flowing from there where you have this example where this could be done at the level of gandhi nagar where this is get connected with the decision maker but for the three programs which are at the smaller scale in the smaller city yeah. uh, safe route to school or the junction or the street mm-hmm. is there yeah. a example of uh, this interface between you or the local civil society as a platform for citizens talking to mm-hmm. decision makers and relaying this uh, basically an interface between the government decision makers and the platform where some such voice is actually converted into a policy like there is nothing that. formal right now as far as i know the last meeting that i had there was where this interaction happened with the citizens and with the citizens and uh, citizens and where the nagar palika and the area development authority were also present what we are trying to do and what sandeep is trying to do in bhujna is forming a committee okay which has representatives from the groups that were present there and this committee and this group interacts regularly once a month is what we are looking at and i have said that as a technical support i am willing to be part of it i mean i can come down to bhuj and for for a monthly meeting but ultimately the you know and this is what i kept on stressing in that meeting that it is you people who will have to take the initiative i am in that sense an outsider though i have a lot of connections with bhuj and they were willing to do that i mean and, and then now sandeep is trying to push and get people on a committee the next thing so two things that we discussed one is that the nagarpalika comes under so in terms of hierarchy of decision making uh the district magistrate is the boss if i can say you know he's the head or he's the senior most person there, the is officer his duties he is actually not supposed to look after urban issues or urban transport issues it is not part of his mandate but invariably he gets involved because he is the senior most person so they have sdm the sub divisional magistrate who is the i think chairman of the area development authority so he is involved in that sense the real deal now as, as i understand is there is a director of municipalities hmm. which in hierarchy is overlooking what the nagarpalika is doing the director of municipalities has a regional office at rajkot which is again about 200 kilometers away from bhuj 
So what I understood from the last meeting is that you have to get them on board if you want the Nagar Palika on board. Okay. So there is an IS officer who manages director of municipalities. So, you know, get him involved. Okay. So the next step that we are looking at is probably, and just before this, this next wave started, idea in Jan was to go to Rajkot and make a presentation and then go to the DM in Bhuj and make a presentation and get their, you know, alignment that we want to form this committee, get their blessings that this is the plan. And you will, we will have one member from the governments or one or two people from the government also on this. The sense that I got from the town planner in Bhada is that they will welcome this because they are looking for, uh, to do these kind of things. So basically the idea is to get voices in one room, uh, to be able to, I think that is one very good way of kind of getting yeah. it. If you have people who are decision makers, as well as people who have a stake, uh, the common yeah. yeah, I think we've one 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 last thing, uh, Tarun. Yeah, uh, we have this uh, street vending and livelihood protection act, hmm. right? And which lays down very clearly what needs to be done. There has to be a census done, and then there have to be license issued, the, the and then space has to. Pardon? You're talking about the 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 union government act. Or the it's a good yeah, yeah yeah the central government yeah, yeah. the central government act, the livelihood protection act right Bhuj is one city that I know of which has really moved ahead on this okay they have a census of vendors hmm. vendors have licenses they have formed a town vending committee they have got all India Institute of Local Self Government to identify where these uh, vendors actually sit the next step that they now need to do is plan those areas and design those areas as that is what the uh, act says that you need to design those uh, areas for vendors. So that is a long-term plan that they're trying to do that as part of this uh, process, they also want to start looking at organizing the vending spaces properly. Right. So hopefully that should be the next, next thing on the agenda. But this is a good example of how, uh... Uh, act designed at the uh, central level actually can mobilize. Yeah, because in Ahmedabad, this is not working at all. Yeah, in a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The municipal corporation is not interested here. Okay. Uh, uh, so, I think I, we've kind of encroached upon one hour uh, over and above five minutes. Yeah. Uh, maybe one last question. Um, sure which is a more overarching question. Like if, if there are organizations uh, working in smaller cities who are trying to work at the intersection of say transport and mobility. And, and I was in a room with a transport planner sometime back and there were at least 30 people. And then we were talking about something similar uh, for a school, a safe route to school program. And then everybody came and said something. And then he was like, you know, everybody thinks that there are transport planners because it's the easiest thing to do. But, but it is, it is such a, uh, you know, it, it, it's an issue which pervades, uh, you know, yeah. each and every activity of your daily life. Like without mobility, you, you know, in a city, Absolutely. there is no reason to exist sometimes. So for, uh, is there hope and, what would be your uh, you know, message to people and organizations working in smaller cities, trying to be those people who want to do transport planning, but basically who are trying to solve issues of people to move uh, from your experience? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, just as a response to what you said, that everybody thinks they are a transport planner. Absolutely true. Right? Yeah. Because as you say, it, it affects us. And everybody believes that they know what needs to be done. I mean, if you talk to the guy on the street about what can be done about the traffic problem, he will give you hmm. clear solutions. But if you ask him what should be done about the housing problem, he will not be able to tell you. Right? The other thing with transport is that as the economy grows, as people become, as resources increase, uh, GDP increases, the traffic problem actually worsens as prosperity increases. This is one of the things that actually is inversely it deteriorates as the economy improves. 
most things improve as the economy improves not traffic and transport and that's why this is going to be a big issue in india over the next 20 25 years as we urbanize rapidly i have been feeling for a long time that all the funds all the expertise is going to the large cities and smaller cities really don't have anybody to tell them anybody to guide them and they do, certainly don't have access to funds there are funds available actually in many places but they don't know about if i would have to advise people who want to work in small cities i would say by all means do it 20 years 15 20 years of working i have won, i have lost more battles than i have won and i am still hopeful i still i still see that one battle that i win as you know vindication yeah validation of what i am trying to do i also believe that because i teach every year 15 20 students go out with some positive message to give out in the field of urban transport so i i look upon it like this that something is something will transform something will change streets for all will happen transport for all will happen small cities they only require some helping hand some guidance and some access to funds uh if i mean uh, we have been even at, at my at urban lab we have been very keen now and you know we are moving on we want to start an ngo so the consulting does what it does and there are people to manage it you know i personally want to move on and you know do something else which is more meaningful and helps people uh, especially in small towns like last time you told me about dehradun and uh, from uh, panchgani right so i'm not from exactly a small town but i've stayed in aurangabad which is in terms of the big cities in uh, in in uh, maharashtra small in size and i know the kind of issues that aurangabad has and i also know that there are people okay let me put it other way around if you actively search for people who are passionate about these causes you will meet them you will find them out you need to make an effort to reach out to these people to reach out to these groups and network with them i think we have to create a coalition of partners who really believe in these things and we should let aside the small petty differences i have seen too many good people not engage because of some differences in opinion i think that we have to be bigger than that definitely i think i think we need to actively engage and seek out more and more people who want to do this and i believe me there are a lot of people who are interested yes. i mean go to go on social media go on twitter and you know follow some people and you will realize that there are so many people who are interested they just don't know where to go whom to talk to right? i'm i'm pretty hopeful yeah i was used to say that uh, people with good intentions they play like golfers while people who don't have sometimes very good intentions they play like a football football team there's is a okay. team work and people with good intentions tend to be golf players who are playing solitary and playing alone and uh, getting up yeah. so i think there needs to be more I, more football yeah, team yeah yeah just small example and shelly talked with you last time and shelly is really interested in governance and she's doing a phd and she started off her phd by saying ki kya karu kaise karu kaun kisko milu but in the last 3 years she has now she now knows so many people who are interested in this stakeholder consultation in participatory planning and now she says i wonder where these people were <laughs> they were always there we just didn't know where they were and how to reach out to them jab jab anliya find out who they are and that's happening like when once we have started this talk in the town we are hearing about so many people who are you know doing things which 10 years ago probably were not on the radar yeah. of you know mainstream policy thinking and now ways in which even actual policies you know there is still a lot of notional policy work which depends on people's voices but then 
the real work which also is being defined by what people actually feel and those frameworks are getting slowly steadily uh, they're creeping in they're making themselves in 2004 chennai used a 1994 ka public consultation as the uh, uh, okay. basis to say that we have done public participation you know there's some un program in the 80s or 90s which they used in 2004 to say that ha huh, we had done this but now no so we are you thanks so much for that very hopeful uh, end to the you know uh, yeah, this conversation that message is very very positive and we hope that there would be ways in which we will be able to uh, kind of uh, enable this, uh, uh, this this synergy and maybe creating a football team of people with good intentions yeah and we'll correct <laughs> definitely be in touch uh, especially on some of the things that you talked about the issues that smaller cities face in the realm of transfer let's stay in touch and we will we'll uh, we have the recording we'll be processing it and then we will be putting it out and i think there would be a lot of uh, there are a lot of open ended threads that we would like to pick up uh, uh, sure. future as well and uh, thanks again thanks sir for having me here thanks, thanks.